Zechariah 14. We're going to be there most of the evening, but we're going to refer back and forth, so don't ever lose your spot, Zechariah 14. Keep your finger there or your bookmark there or whatever because we're going to go back and forth. We'll see how much we can accomplish here in just a short time. But Zechariah 14, you know, Israel is being prepared for the day of her salvation. Right now she feels or it seems to feel that her salvation is that which is accomplished by various peace treaties. And we see that she's going from person to person or country to country accomplishing these peace treaties, the one that began with Egypt, uh, going on around with the Palestinians and uh, Jordan, uh, yet to be accomplished is one with Syria that's trying to be worked out right now, and another one with uh, the country of Lebanon at some future date. And uh, this, this will all be accomplished one of these days. Uh, the, all There will be peace treaties all the way around. Uh, this, this we understand, of course, from the, the uh, Word of God, both telling us in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament telling us that in Ezekiel uh, chapters um, uh, 37 and 38, where it indicates to us uh, there, or 38 and 39, where it indicates to us there uh, that the, one of the conditions of Israel in the last days is this idea of security and safety, and these are words that are used there. Uh, then uh, turning over to the Apostle Paul, and he says... Uh, uh, when they uh, talk about peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. And so we, we understand that this peace process is a part of the overall plan. And we need to be carefully uh, watching all this because of, I believe from what I see here in Zechariah 14 and other uh, in, in scriptures it, that all these things are going to happen in a very rapid manner. In fact, the indication is here in Zechariah 14 that many things will be accomplished on one day. The, uh, before we uh, in, get to the Zechariah 14, perhaps we need to set it up with uh, what is going on in the book of Zechariah, and particularly Zechariah 13. In Zechariah 13, we see this siege of Jerusalem has begun. And it depicts what is going on there. So Zechariah 14 then begins with this siege. And so we see verse 1 of chapter 14. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you. A day is coming or the day of the Lord. The, this begins with the second advent of Jesus Christ. And the day of the Lord is a time period that continues on to the conclusion of the millennium. And then at the, the end of that then begins what we would refer to as the day of God. Now 1 Corinthians 15 of course tell, indicates to us uh, about the time when Jesus will uh, bring all things in this world in subjection. And then he will hand them over to the Father. Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted to put all things in subjection to him. And when all things are subjected to him, then the Son of him himself also will be subjected to the one 
who subjected all things to him that God may be all in all. Then to Ephesians 1.10. Ephesians 1.10. Uh, with a view to administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. And then Second Peter, and uh, we see here in Second Peter, perhaps this is a, a, a scripture that indicates to us that the day of the Lord and the day of God perhaps are two different time periods. Uh, looking to Second Peter, the third chapter, Beginning with verse 10. <clears throat> but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We see then on the second, second verse here, chapter 14, that there is a division of uh, the loot that is going on here, the Jerusalem uh, apparently has already been overcome by the nations at this time. Verse 2, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, and the houses plundered, and the women ravished, and half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. We know that, that presently the city of Jerusalem is in, uh, is in the hands of the Israelis. And this has been one of the real difficult negotiating points in all these treaties have been going on. And even in the last treaty with Jordan that was accomplished, it was even the, the necessity for people who would guard some of the, uh, the Islamic's greatest monuments, uh, they uh, worked that out with Jordan rather than having the uh, Palestinian liberation uh, group uh, do that and, and, and this became a little conflict even between the Arab groups. But again since that time and just be again before the, the signing of the peace treaty with Jordan and Israel, Yasser Arafat again stated that someday Jerusalem would be theirs and it would be their capital city. And so we see that it is set up even though they have a, a peace treaty right now with the Palestinians that their eye is set upon Jerusalem. And I think that the, the future the war that will come and capture Jerusalem will be precipitated by the Palestinians in particular, so who will be leading the group to capture Jerusalem and conquer it as their holy city and as their capital city. Uh, and uh, that we will see that they will only tolerate that for so long and they will only negotiate for us uh, uh, so long before they enter into a war. But all nations are gathered here. They're, they're, the uh, mobilization of the uh, our armies and the nations um, and to what probably is here in verse 2, Armageddon. That sounds very much like Joel 3 and uh, we could read all of Joel 3. Uh, it's an it's a excellent chapter and dealing with prophetic information 
But I'll just select some verses out of here at Joel 3 and verses 1 through 3. For behold, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Now over beginning with verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations, prepare war, rouse the mighty men, let all the soldiers draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, and let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, thy mighty ones, and let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will set to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come tread, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. We see that here, of course, this is a parallel passage, I think, to verse 2. We see that the multitudes in the valley of decision, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, we also see that it identifies for us here the primary in a people of the ingration that, that happens. It is the surrounding nations as mentioned here. For there I will set to judge all the surrounding nations. Revelation 16. We see a war there. The war that is that of Armageddon as it is depicted by uh, in John's vision. Uh, uh, in the book of Revelation, and chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world, to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stands awake and keeps his garments, lest he walk about naked and men see his shame. And they gather them together to the place, which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Uh, the, the city shall be taken. That's according to, to uh, Zechariah himself that tells us that the city shall be taken. And at the, at the very end of this time, it, and... Uh, this time of trouble, we find that the city then is, is encompassed about and overrun. And uh, this perhaps is what uh, Jeremiah had in mind when he was talking about the time of Jacob's trouble or Jacob's distress in Jeremiah the 30th chapter and verses 7 and 8 there. <clears throat> Jeremiah 30 verses 7 and 8. Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it. It is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. And it shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their necks, neck and will tear off their bonds, and strangers shall no longer make them their slaves. 
We see then back in Zechariah 14.3, Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. Uh, with, when Jerusalem is, is taken, when it seems there that, that, that Israel will be totally uh, destroyed, the Lord will come and fight against the nations that are against uh, Israel. Uh, we uh, see uh, in Revelation 19, when it depicts here the coming of Jesus, uh, here, that has much the same tone as Zechariah 14.3. Uh, Revelation 19, verse, uh, beginning with verse 11. And I saw a heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems. And he has a name written upon him, which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come assemble for the great supper of God, in order that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized with him, the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. We know that, there, that, that God has fought for Israel in times past, in fact, uh, the, the victories have been attributed to God. Uh, this exact uh, expression of uh, God fighting for them is given in several places. And just uh, to point out a few, Exodus 14, 14, where it says, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And uh, Exodus 15, verse 3. The Lord is a warrior. Uh, over in Joshua 10:14. Joshua 10:14, and there was no day like that before or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Uh, in the 23rd chapter of Joshua, in verse 3. 20, 23:3. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. And the same expression is used in Judges, the fourth chapter, in the 15th verse, at the time of the conquering of Sisera. Back to Zechariah 14 and verse 4. Zechariah 14.4, And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, 
which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. What we see here is the uh, right away is this literal uh, coming, this personal, visible coming of Jesus Christ. He will actually stand upon the Mount of Olives. The mountain will be split at that time. Acts 1.11, of course, when Jesus ascended to heaven there, uh, that the angels indicated to the spectators of that event that this same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so we look for and expect this personal, visible, uh, physical return of Jesus Christ to this earth. And we know that throughout Israel's history that they have been visited with earthquakes. Amos 1.1 tells us about a great earthquake that happened and, and all we have is the biblical record about it. But it must have been a tremendous one because it was uh, marked uh, in the scripture as a time point or a time reference. But we also see that the quake uh, at a quake is uh, that which is connected with the events of this time period and the conclusion of this age. I'm back to Nahum, the first chapter. Nahum. Chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, Mountains quake because of him, and the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence, and the world and all the inhabitants in it. And then Micah, the first chapter, and verses 2 through 4. Micah, the first chapter, in verses 2 through 4, I like this, uh, this uses the description of wax before a fire here. Micah 1, verses 2 through 4, Hear, O, pe o peoples, all of you, listen, O earth, and all, it's, uh, all it contains, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming forth from his place, and he will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will be split like wax before the fire, like water poured down a steep place. And then Revelation 16, uh, that we already have uh, referred to before. Revelation 16, and verses 18 through 21 there. <clears throat> 16 and 18 through 21 and there were flashings of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth so great an earthquake was it and so mighty and the great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath and every island fled away and the mountains were not found and huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. Back to Zechariah 14 and verse 5. And you will, you will flee by the valley of my mountains, for the valley of, of the mountains will reach to Azel. 
Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. Our God shall come in the, and our God shall come in, in, in the, as we see within the representative of Jesus who has that power and authority. Jesus is the Son of God and he will represent God and he will come with all the saints with him. Uh, we see that the reward and the judging, all these things that transpire uh, have to do with the saints being present uh, with him. 1 Thessalonians 3.13, 1 Thessalonians 3.13, So that he may establish your hearts unblameable and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Uh, Colossians, Colossians 3 and verse 14, Colossians 3, 14, and beyond all these things, uh, 3, 4, excuse me, 3, 4, uh, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be, re will be revealed with him in glory. And uh, Jude 14. Jude 14. And about, and about these also Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying, Behold the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. Revelation 19 and 14, we, we um, read that and we see that the Christ is depicted there as coming with a great army uh, over in Zechariah, the 12th chapter and verse 10. Zechariah 10, 12, 10, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so, they so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping of the firstborn. And this physical return of Jesus Christ with the saints. Verse 6 here, and it will come about in that day that there will be no light. The luminaries will dwindle. On the very day that Christ appears on earth and the battle of Armageddon is fought, that the lights will, will ne neither be clear nor dark, but it will seem like evening tide, and it will be and, uh, that type of light that is there. Uh, we understand, of course, that the, the many scriptures that indicate to us the darkening of the sun and moon and stars uh, is a future event that will be accomplished. It's given to us in a, in a number of places, uh, and... Uh, We'll not turn to all of them uh, this evening, but uh, we also under, uh, see that because of this, the, the, all the uh, natural calamity that is happening, that people will cry out in terror, and they will ask th that their very life will be taken from them. Revelation 6 and verses 15 and 16 says, And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him, who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Uh, 
back to uh, Zechariah 14 and verse 7. For it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor light, but it will come about that at evening time there will be no light. This phrase, unique day, actually just means that. It is a unique day. There has not been a day like it since the creation of man. And this is a unique day in which the Son of Righteousness will come. In fact, because of the withholding of the light of the sun and the moon and the stars, how much greater will then the coming of Jesus as that Son of Righteousness be as is contrasted to all the darkness of the day. And uh, Joel tells us about this in Joel 3.15. And Ezekiel tells us about that. But we also see there that in that day that the, the splitting of the uh, mountains and so that the waters will run uh, different directions in verse 8 of Zechariah 14. And it will come about in that day that the living waters will flow out of Jerusalem. Half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. And so we, we see this, this day of Christ's second coming, these living waters that shall uh, go forth from Jerusalem toward the, the Mediterranean and half toward the Dead Sea. And, and uh, here rightly it, uh, we could uh, see that the desert will bloom like a rose because it will have the water that it needs because everything is changed. This is a contrast to the rivers of, uh, and, uh, of uh, the uh, Nile and the rivers of the Euphrates, uh, those which run um, north and south. They will be smitten according to Isaiah 27 and Revelation 16. But here we see that, the, that some water shall run to the former sea, which is the Dead Sea, and some will run to the hinder sea or the, sea, the Mediterranean Sea of the west. There shall be summer. Uh, summer and winter are both mentioned here. Uh, these are uh, actually eternal uh, seasons uh, that is mentioned to us that they, that they will continue on. All seasons are, are eternal uh, according to the scriptures. Um, Genesis, the, the eighth chapter. And uh, verse 22, uh, Genesis 8, 22, uh, it says, While the earth remains, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. And so these, these are eternal with God. Zechariah 14 and verse 9 and the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one. Uh, the Lord here in this, this context of what is happening obviously refers to Jesus Christ who uh, is the king reigning. It is Jesus who will reign over the earth during the millennium. Isaiah, the ninth chapter and verses six and seven, that we uh, chapter that we usually re, uh, reserve for December to refer to, but uh, Daniel, the uh, the seventh chapter, verses thirteen and fourteen, there will only be one religion. When Jesus returns to this earth, there's only going to be one religion over the whole earth. And all the false uh, religions and all those that have uh, been spawned by man will be done away with. And there will only be one religion in all the earth. Verse 10 says, And all the land will be changed into a plain 
from Jeba to Raymond south of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem will rise and remain on its site from Benjamin's gate as far as the place of the first gate to the corner gate from the tower of Hanel to the king's wine presses. What we see is that all the territory around Jerusalem is going to become one huge plain. And Jerusalem is going to stand up on this plain. And it's going to stand out upon this plain. And that it will be just like a diamond in the dust. That it will stand up and all eyes will be able to see it for miles and miles and miles. And it will be inhabited. Um, Ezekiel uh, 40, uh, 48th chapter um, Ezekiel 48 beginning with verse uh, uh, 30 there and these are the exits of the city in the north side 4500 cubits by measure which shall be the gates of the city named for the tribes of Israel three gates toward the north the gate of Reuben one the gate of Judah one the gate of Levi one and on the east side 4500 cubits shall be three gates, the gate of ben, uh, Joseph one, the gate of Benjamin one, the gate of Dan one. And on the south side, 4,500 uh, cubits by measurement shall be, on, be three gates, the gate of Simeon one, the gate of Issachar one, the gate of Zebulun one. On the west side, 4,500 cubits shall be three gates, the gate of Gad one, the gate of Asher one, the gate of Naphtali one. The city shall be 18,000 cubits round about, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Zechariah 14 and verse 11 says, And the people will live in it, and there will be no more curse, for Jerusalem will dwell in security. There will be no more destruction, no more curse, no more idolatry, no more apostasy. From last point on, uh, because it will become the, indeed the holy city. Uh, Zechariah 14, 12. Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouth. Uh, continue on, verse 13. And it will come about in that day that a great panic from the Lord will fall on them. And they will seize one another's hand, and the hand of one will be lifted up against the hand of another. And Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered, gold and silver and garments in great abundance. Here we see that, that, that uh, there are three ways in which the armies will be destroyed. First, by this plague that is mentioned here. Uh, the second, because of the confusion that they will turn upon each other and kill each other. And thirdly, Judah will fight herself. And uh, we, we know that these, the, 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 this confusion thing has happened before. We also know that God has, has, has confused armies to such a point that uh, they've heard the sound of many chariots in the wind. And they have left and abandoned their camp. And uh, so it appears that oh, we again. But notice here in verse 14 that, uh, that the nation here, that Judah who also fight at Jerusalem... But notice that they go then gathering the gold and the silver and the garments in great abundance. That's, you know, exactly the opposite of what's happening in verse 2 of this same chapter when the nations are gathering their plunder at Jerusalem. Uh, verses 16 through uh, 
verse, on with verse 15, so also like the plague will be the plague on the horse, the mule, the camel, the donkey, and all the cattle will be in those camps. The plague is not just on uh, uh, people, but on animals. Verse 16, then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. And it will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. Uh, we have mentioned of what will happen to those that are left of all the nations that fight against Jerusalem. Um, uh, nations who don't uh, come will experience then a drought. Uh, they are uh, left uh, here, of course, to live on the earth and to enter the kingdom as natural men, to, uh, the millennial kingdom as natural men, uh, um, to multiply and replenish the earth as God originally commanded in Genesis, the first chapter. Uh, if obedient, uh, they will live, but if a disobedient, they will be cut off, it says. Isaiah 65, 20 through 25 tells us that if they're disobedient, they will be cut off. There is this Feast of the Tabernacles, that are the Feast of Booze, uh, that will be celebrated. They're both the same thing, Tabernacles or Booze, as one of the annual feasts. It was one of the annual feasts, of course, of Israel. Uh, and all the nations will be required to appear every year before the Lord for worship, to render their thanksgiving with, with uh, rejoicing, uh, with, the, uh, ta uh, the, with the idea and the symbol of the in-gathering. And that was the Feast of Tabernacles and Booths, uh, to celebrate the in-gathering. And Egypt uh, may be especially mentioned here uh, in this, this context and, and picked out and selected uh, because it was the first nation uh, that was in defiance of God's people when, they re when the nation of Egypt refused to let the nation of Israel be released. Verse 20 and 21, In that day there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses holy to the Lord, and the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar. And every cooking pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holy to the Lord of hosts. And all who sacrifice will come and take of them and boil in them. And there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. The theory that the saints will uh, spend eternity in heaven and that all things in the future will, will be uh, spiritual is, is contradicted throughout the scriptures, but it is clear that God made all the material creation and the living creation in them to continue on forever. And here we have mentioned here this, these natural and earthly things as continuing as bells and horses and men and bowls and houses and bowls, uh, all these things. We also see this phrase, holiness to the Lord. This was the phrase that was engraved on the gold plate that was attached to the high priest's turban. And it was to indicate that he was set apart from the rest of the nation uh, for a particular service. But now we see it inscribed here. You know, God made a covenant with Noah stating that all animals and men would continue forever as well as the seasons. And that's back again into Genesis the 8th chapter and verse uh, 22 there. Uh, 
Verse 20, 21 of Zechariah 14 uh, uh, tells us here that no Canaanite, that no Canaanite will be in the house of the Lord of hosts in that day. Uh, the Canaanite is, is used as an, a symbol, an example in Scripture about something that corrupts, about something that is spiritually unclean. And uh, Israel will be uh, in holiness at this time. Uh, in fact, uh, we will see a holiness that will be the tone and tenor of uh, this whole atmosphere at this time. And today, Christ is calling out a people that will be a holy people. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and verses uh, 25 through 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. And so we see the conclusion of Zechariah 14 is that we have a holy people, we have a holy church, and in that day, uh, God will have the, then the holiness of people and church combined together in the worship and service to him, the beginning of the millennial kingdom and reign upon this earth. 